You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. All right, Sid Talk. Just um, do it. Before the after the show discussion, I will give you a word and then discuss. Are you what? ready? Wait, is this the before? I just said it is. So here we go. <laughs> Mediacom. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Disgust? Is that what you yeah, said? Or am I supposed to have a stroke? Disgust. From frustration. <laughs> you haven't seen me mad many times in the last 14 years. Truly not mad. I get frustrated. I express myself. That's fine. When I grip my teeth and I shake with anger when someone's fucking telling me what to do in my life don't ever do it because that's what Mediacom's doing and it makes me I I, I can feel my blood pressure first before we say explain what Mediacom is because people don't know it's an internet provider ISP whatever well cable TV company slash internet provider internet provider and why are they why do they suck (laughs) A we get broadband right we get their service yes when it's perfect it's perfect when it's top speed and yeah. never breaks down it's great that's about one percent we, get, we live on the internet we do a lot of things on the internet we communicate we get our entertainment um i we, create things. we use it as a home telephone i communicate with my work because i read on my work emails things like that and we use our internet we have skype phone and we have skype so we chat with people all from wherever you can speak to your aunt in england and whatnot so that's fantastic mediacom doesn't fucking own that idea though Netflix. Right? so it's not because of them that that service is great they have the worst customer service of any other utility and that's what it is now i know some people would argue that internet is luxurious and i i would toot on this on a certain level if I make $150 a week and I've got kids to feed and one of the things I have to tick off my list is that I can't afford internet, well, then you can survive without it. It's not like electricity and water, running water in your house. I understand that. However, when you get beyond that point of income and you do want to utilize that as a utility in your house, like a phone, then it becomes um, you are still a customer. Of this company. Electricity, you know what? They could kind of treat us like shit because we really don't have a choice. If you want electricity in your house, <clears throat> but they don't treat us like no, shit. No, well, if we it's have an electric because it's outage, government, the electricity is government regulated and they're not allowed to have outages. I mean, the outages can happen because of natural... But they have standards. But they have standards, 99% And if we have electrical outage and we go online or we somehow figure out... It's fixed within 30 minutes. Not only that, but they communicate with us. They communicate. You see on their website, like within minutes, you've let me know when I'm at work, oh, our power's out. I look at their map and sure enough, it says within the last 45 minutes, this area, this zip code has been out, and we have 442 customers without service. You refresh it, we have 455 people without customers. And when you call them, they're friendly. They tell you exactly what's going on. Mediacom, it's like they just want to tell you to shut your mouth and give us your money. We don't give a shit about you. And if you cancel, we don't care because everyone else needs us. 
We need, all right, you need us, Mediacom says to us, more than we need you. And, and you, that is what annoys the shit out of And you me. as a listener are probably saying, well, stop complaining, go and get some other internet <laughs> service. If only it was that easy. Yeah. Because there is one more company in town, one more company in the capital of Missouri <laughs> that can provide you with internet. And they are DSL, and unfortunately they're slower more what, expensive. More expensive, slower. It's just not a good deal all around. We don't around. know what their customer service is like, which is my hiccup with Mediacom. Their service goes down a lot. Their it customer does. service eats asshole. I mean, I'm, that's just like, I'm that's not, as blatant I'm, as I can be. I'm not over-exaggerating by saying that Mediacom's internet service, which we've had for a long time. 14 years. In recent, this last year, maybe longer, goes down every week. At least once, and sometimes ten times. Like, it might be for an hour, it might be for five minutes, but it's just off, and then on, and then we're just, like, going, why is my Netflix stopped? It's them, they've gone off, because the in- the modem all of a sudden has no lights on I'm sure that people don't have a lot of sympathy for this, but still, no. if you have an internet you, uh, provider that you've... When you feel like you're at the mercy of a corporation... Whatever their whim is, and understandably, they're there to make money. I can't, I'm not going to argue with that. It's capitalism, you know? Charge what you got to charge. But on the flip side of that, in a, in a capitalistic country, capitalistic, capitalism country, whatever, if you don't have competition, like true competition... Capitalist country. Capitalist. <laughs> makes me sound <laughs> horrible. I'm a capitalist. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's the reality of our social structure, our financial structure here. If... If you have no true competition, then you co- you get you sit down at your boardroom with all of your board members and all of your little fuckers in their suits and ties and wanting to make loads of money, and they don't have to answer to anyone. Like, they don't have to say, oh, look, we've got Comcast and we've got Time Warner and we've got Google breathing down our necks. We need to make better customer service. We need to regulate the people on the fucking phone when someone calls us five times in a row because i've done it to test or three times in a row to see what the person's gonna say and it's different every time but these that doesn't matter because we're gonna stay a customer actually we don't have a um, choice think about this for customer service we were told a, a day ago that they would phone us back at a specific time oh, yeah. we never got that call and it's oh, still- that's happened that's probably happened Two dozen times in the last... That call still not occurred two, three days later. We still haven't had it. We have no voicemail. That's, not, that's not new. That that has happened from the day we got their service. Oh, my supervisor will give you a call back about that. And then you call back three days later and say, I was told I would get a call. Oh, yeah, I see that note here on your account. Well, I'm really sorry. Okay, but I'll have my supervisor call you back. And you're like, no, you won't. So, oh, my God. Now you're getting me pissed off all right so we've spent six seven minutes talking about mediacom let's uh buy you know we only wish we could thank you mediacom for giving us the service to upload this podcast yeah this podcast (laughs) will be uploaded by mediacom so if it doesn't arrive on time (laughs) it's their fault we know who to blame (laughs) all right so it's saturday september the 7th 2013 this is after the show number 291 and what is after the show said talk (laughs) you're asking me a lot of questions today What's Mediacom? What's after the show? <laughs> what is this, a quiz? Yes. Do I get something at the end of it? Uh, after the show is podcast? You'd, is that right? 
I'm answering your question. Uh, that stars me, me, Sid Talk, and you co-star, or you're sort of my co-pilot. You'll be a scully. That's not true. <laughs> We're married together, each other, and um, we talk about a movie, and we talk about some other stuff. Almost for supper and video games, and then we're done, and then we go eat. This is too. This is this is too long winded. Yeah, might as well, I'm not a PR person. We're a movie review podcast. <laughs> we're about to review a movie. Why do you ask me if you don't want my? Oh, it's to involve you in the. But then it then it got long winded. <laughs> okay, coming up in the next few seconds. <laughs> don't ask me for a synopsis. Okay. All right. Then. So the movie we're looking at this week is Now You See Me. This is a 2013 movie released on Blu-ray. Uh, on the 3rd of September, so you can pick this one up now. It's PG-13, but there's also an extended edition included on the Blu-ray, which is unrated, and we watch the unrated extended version. The tagline to the movie is, Come in close, because the more you think you see, the easier it will be to fool you. Which is quite a good tagline when you have seen the movie. Um... It's from our friends at Summit Entertainment. We watch the Blu-ray and Sid Talk. What's the synopsis? <laughs> uh, so you're reading. You just read what you see. I am right? Ron You like to be like Ron Burgundy. Yes. No, I'm not giving you a synopsis. Synopsis is this is a this is a movie about magicians. That's good. Okay, let's move on. About magicians. It's the it's the second magic movie we've seen this year. The other one being the incredible. Bert and your Winston. theory is now that we've had vampires and zombies, and now the next wave of thrilling movie and television entertainment will be magicians. It seems 2013 the years of magic. The year oh, we also magic. had fairy tales kind of kind of happening there for a bit. I think it kind of pooped out, but my fairy tales are fantastic. But I think you're right. Magicians will now take over for a little while. Probably not. But it comes around. It comes around. Anyway, um, now you see me. Uh, Until we have a young adult magician. Movie. Harry Potter. <laughs> no, I was thinking the, the <laughs> vampire one. Oh, Twilight. Yeah, until we have a magician movie that's like that. Mixed with Harry Potter. Mixed with True Blood. Then, then magicians will be crazy. Alright, so Now You See Me is a movie we're about to review. There could be spoilers here, so I would like to, to say to you, go away, watch the movie, come back, listen to what we're talking about. And if you're trapped in the car and you can't exactly stop or whatever, then I'm not going to spoil it for you. So don't blame me. I mean, there could be... We could mention anything that spoils it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to spoil the ending of this movie. But there could be... Just by saying particular words could spoil something. So, go Trigger, back. Go trigger see words? <laughs> go see it. Come back. So, now you see me. What do you think? I enjoyed it very much. I mean, I was very entertained. Every time I thought... I thought something, then of course it was like, oh, 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 and I then I felt a little bit manipulated because that was exactly what it was all about, make you think, oh, ah, uh, oh. I mean, yeah, you literally told so at the beginning really, that you're about to be manipulated. Yeah, really pulled along, but for some reason, I didn't mind. I kind of just went with it all. I maybe was in the mood for. I think after to the wonder. <laughs> yeah, which it's I completely liked as different well. to that movie. But I was ready for a little bit of less brain, less thinking, less feeling, and more just like spectacle. And, you know, and that's what it is. It's a spectacle of... You can literally you know, turn your brain off. It's quite... Um, I'd see it as like... Uh, I really enjoyed it. But on the other hand, I feel it's quite unmemorable. 
Like, I don't... I, it's a great two hours of fun. Yeah, I agree. But in a year, I don't think it would have made an impression on me in any way. It I won't mean, be a recommendation, you don't think, at some point in the future? It could be, I guess. Because there are elements that I love, magicians. Then you will remember it. But, um... It's a lot of flash. <laughs> yeah. And... You mean sleight of hand. Yeah, and magic doesn't really apply to this movie because, obviously, in a movie, magic... I mean, magic's a... Unless you believe in magic, completely. Magic's an illusion. Spoiler. (laughs) And the movies are the ultimate illusion, that you can do anything. So, you know, like when you see... I don't know, Chris Angel do a live stage act and he does something. He's actually doing a live special effect, isn't he? Like, on you. On a movie, they've got weeks and months to switch it up, haven't they? You know, there's a there's a yeah. part in this movie where a female magician is yeah. floating around in a bubble. That couldn't be done in, on a stage live. Right. Uh, so, in a movie, I feel like magic tricks But that's, the thing, lose that's one of the themes in the movie, though, is belief. Right. That you let go of your brain, that in the middle of your brain where you understand how movies are made and you click into like, oh, they get rid of the wires. That looks pretty cool, but I wonder how long she had to be in that harness and it's probably going to be in the extras. You know, that shit. You got to clip. It's hard to. You got to turn that off and just be like, wouldn't that be awesome if I was sitting in that audience and she came like Glenda the Good Witch and floated over me in a balloon. I mean, you've got to just let... That's why I think I enjoyed it so much because I was able to be like... this Because the movie introduces the idea of debunking magic tricks. So they've already done it for you. They've already said, we're going to try to explain everything that happens. So I let the movie do it. The characters in the movie who want to, like, pull back the... I'm making another Wizard of Oz reference, but the man behind the curtain kind of thing... Then I'm like, okay, they're going to do it for me. So I can just enjoy what I see. And then later, if somebody wants to come in in the movie and tell me how it happened, then that's fine. It's like a... If this this can be a tagline for the box. It's like a... Too che- late. It's like a cheesier, less intelligent version of the prestige. <laughs> and Michael Caine's in both of them. Yes. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's It's... It's the... Like popcorn version of like an in, like that. Yeah, but Prestige still believes in a little bit of magic. It does, but it's also a lot more. I've and I always forget what was the other movie around the same time. The Illusionist, but yeah. I, I didn't see that one. But yeah, that came out at the same time. That was Edward Norton, right? Yeah. I never actually saw that one. I think you did. No, I didn't. Unless I watched it in a hotel somewhere when maybe. I went to. But oh, yeah, maybe. they came out in the same year. Christopher Nolan's Prestige. And I was just in a hotel somewhere once. <laughs> But um, watching movies. Well, this movie's this movie's really fun. For me, and not spoiling, and not I don't want to spoil because it there is twists and turns. But the ultimate twist in this movie, I almost feel like it was a cheat. A little bit. Because it was you. There's no way. Exactly. You're yeah. going to say exactly what I was thinking in the movie as I'm watching it thinking. It feels good when there's, it happens. There's nothing that, There's nothing here that's piecing together no. the third act for me. There's nothing that's piecing together the big reveal or the like, ta-da, uh-huh. here's who it is, what it is. So a movie and a storyteller, that's like a no-no because you can't, I mean, you can, obviously, go through a whole story and give no clues to anything and then just as you are you're thinking it's like ta-da 
without any lead up, without you going back like yeah. in the sixth sense. The sixth going, sense is a oh, prime yeah. example where you can We don't want to tell the end of that either. No, but it's a prime example of where you can have a second viewing of the movie yep. and it all makes sense. And in this one there's nothing, 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 boom. Here's yeah. the answer. But I- then again, that's part of the idea with the characters. They're also not supposed to see it coming. Now, there's also Mike Ruffalo's character in this movie. His motivation. Yeah. There's a motivation involved here. <laughs> kind of poo-poo. It's, yeah, it's a bit... It's also a bit... It's a bit um, grey area for me. Like, I, I don't know... Yeah, because the story inside of the movie... Yeah. About the person with the card and the... Yeah. In the tree. I mean, that was the person anyway. That is more interesting because that had no motive other than just to do it, the thing. Yeah. There was no, like... That's actually a real thing. We've heard that motivation, this motivation that's the the end, you know, the ultimate thing, so many times. Like, that that card in the tree is a real... It's it's a, a magician of old realizing he wants to be a magician at an early age and actually setting the foundation of a trick that 20 years down the line will amaze everybody. It's a really awesome concept, that. And that concept... How do you know that's real? I looked it up. So the internet told you it was real? Well, Wikipedia, I'm assuming it's not... I don't know. In the history of magic, that thing was there about that tree. Yeah. So... That is an awesome concept in itself, and it's in you know it, it does fit in within the movie. But that's a better that's a better reason or motivation. Yeah, the motivation for a in it for me is a bit. But I had to throw a load of things aside, and, yeah. and I feel that the big big twist twisty thing in this movie leaves a lot of plot holes in its wake. It almost. Undoes it a little bit. Yeah. Whereas if you watch The Prestige, it actually... It's very difficult to pick holes in. It's pretty tight. And it's very difficult to pick holes in The Sixth Sense as well after you... But this one, I feel like it just almost exists for that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like the whole thing exists to have a twist ending, which it's kind of broken in a way for me. Then it's not just that that thing, but it's also the other thing. You know, the... Yeah. That concept. But but then along the way, it's really entertaining. I like to see magic shows. I liked how um, flashy and kind of appropriate to today's magic it yeah. is. You know, like it is pretty well staged and, you know, there's four magicians and they all have a different style. There's an escapologist, a mentalist... A Mentalist. street magician and a traditional magician. What would you say he is? The, yeah, like a David Copperfield yeah, guy. Like, you know, the card, the sleight of hand guy, yeah. So I liked how that was together. You He's know? a mentalist, a magician. Yeah. He's just in the history of the art, He, he fits I guess. with them, doesn't he? Because it's unproven. You can do a trick on somebody by guessing things and social engineering, all that stuff. But, yeah, I might sound like I'm being negative, and I, I'm not, because I... For, the two hours it ran, I was really, like, I I, I really liked yeah, it. I, I was entertained. I just feel it falls apart a little bit at the end when it's supposed to be more of a, oh my god, that yeah, was amazing. Yeah, it's a little bit dummy down kind of feeling. It, you feel very explained. Then again. They don't leave anything to you at the end. There's going to be a lot of people who watch it to go, oh my god, I didn't see that coming. Well, I didn't see it coming. 
I didn't see that coming. No. But then instantly I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah. The, the, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, instantly. I didn't see it coming because I don't think you can see it coming. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, are you saying that they should have given us clues? Yeah. And there are the a couple that I could think of, but they're so vague and you're never going to cotton it together. You're just not. Like, whereas I see something like The Sixth Sense... You're also not going to figure that out when, if you not don't know, not in the know. Oh, people have claimed that they have. There, no, I, no, I mean, yeah. If you're that kind of person who goes into a movie going, okay, I am going to figure this out. What's going on? You know, like you just. I doing, don't know if that's how it works because my brain does that a lot. It gets ahead of me, and I'm not trying to figure. Yeah, mine out. does too. It just is. Sometimes looking. I'm wrong though in my own. I'm like. <laughs> Dexter's a prime example. <laughs> I'm, I always feel like I'm an episode ahead when I'm watching Dexter because it's so transparent to me. Like a lot of the things that happen, and most of the time I'm like, "Oh, really? Yeah." Okay. But it didn't used to be. It didn't used to be, but yeah, I feel like I'm an episode ahead of that. Whereas Breaking Bad, I don't feel like I could have any handle on it because it's so. It's more satisfying when you can't. Yeah, it is. That's why I think this this little payoff that while when you think about it 10 seconds later you're like oh but in the moment you're like oh it feels good nice. that's yeah. what i'm saying it it feels good you 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 start it starts to unravel and they're very it's very maybe maybe morgan freeman is the debunker and as you've watched the movie and figure out the ta-da then you're supposed to in your brain go back and try to debunk the trick of how it was hidden from you the whole time right but because it's so handholdy, this movie, and it literally shows you every single thing. There's nothing to your imagination. It, it, it goes, hey, this is what happened, and actually shows you a montage of it happening. It doesn't feel as, like, clever to me. Like, right. It, like, I'm sat there going, okay, you need to explain it to me fully for me to understand it. Like, do the wonder. There is no explanation for anything. You have to figure it all out yourself. Right. Which is very satisfying. Frustrating a little bit, because you're in big question mark. But ultimately, if you think about a movie much after you've seen it, that's really satisfying. So, yeah, that's my thing. There's no reason to think about this movie after it's over because it's so um, closed book at the end. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's room for a sequel, obviously. They're making yeah. a sequel. And they even have an end scene after the credits. But this thing is so explained to you, there's no reason to even go back and go, oh, what was that? What it was, was quite the um, ride as well because it's not just like... It's not just watching people do magic. It's not just heisty stuff. It's there's like chases and big explosion and yeah, intimate it, talking scenes and it reminded trickery. Me of, and... Reminded me of Next in that um, respect. And Next oh, is a terrible dear. movie, right? Yeah, but this is a terrible movie. But Next had car movie. chases, a bit of magic, this, that, and the other. You know, it was... Next was terrible. But this had all those elements. They were trying to like. It almost felt to me like they were trying to throw everything in to to entertain, like just yeah, really. Yeah, what's entertain. our formula for getting this story out there with every spectacle a we chase, can do? Uh, got to have some magic, got to have some fighting with magic. But gotta... it's also all misdirection. It is. So I might sound like we're done it, but no, I I actually am quite a fan of it. Cause I think the, the the cast was good. I think. It is like a Twinkie. While I'm eating a Twinkie, it's. The most amazing thing I've ever put in my mouth. Yeah, and it that's is not it. a joke. No giggles. And then 
five minutes after that Twinkie's gone, I'm like, hmm, I'm hungry. So it's like empty calories. It's thrilling while you're watching it. It's fun. It's fun. And that analogy doesn't work on me because I really think that Twinkies are disgusting. I wouldn't put one in my mouth if... What do you like that's fluffy and empty calories? A chocolate bar. Ding dong or a... Okay, chocolate. Or a uh, Twix. Okay. Well, yeah. Twix because we know they're horrible now. So yeah. a Twix bar. You're eating it. You're like, oh my God, it's so awesome. And then you forget and half an hour later. You, you even think, had it because you're hungry, yeah. And you're like, I need something with some vitamins in it. Some but substance. I still think it's a really well-made movie. It, I mean, it's it, it's well-made. Convincing. We'll get to the cast now, I assume. So we talk Well, about I think this is that. partially why it's good. I think because it has a really good cast. I think it's the only reason it's good. And it has people in it who you'd be like, wow, why are they in this movie? It's kind if you of, think about it, yeah. it's really the only reason that it is really good. So Jesse Eisenberg plays J. Daniel Atlas. He's An basically... Arrogant, what, arrogant control freak. He's basically Zuckerberg in The Social Network. He's, <laughs> he, it's that character again, but as a magician. I mean, he's uptight and he's a self-control freak. He's, he's a little more dynamic a smart than that. Ass. He's a smart ass. Yeah, but he's more dynamic than, than he was in that movie. Um... And he does. He's convinced me. I'm convinced that he's a one of those sleazy little, not little, but wannabe superstar of the magic. What stage. I like about him in this is that character because it's so smart, assy, and you get that from the beginning. Um, he's he's quite funny. Like, and I don't expect him to be funny generally. And he's he's actually pretty funny. There's some funny lines. Actually, one thing I was just about to say there was. There is no character development in this movie. Nope, zero. You know when they go up the stairs at the beginning and stand in front of the door? There's a conversation they have all together. Before they go in. Yeah. That's about the only character... Yeah. Because we learn something about each one, and then nothing else, ever. You're right, they're like cartoon characters. Cardboard, like, there's... I've been watching a lot of Scooby-Doo lately. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't learn anything. Gorging on Netflix. From that point onwards, you learn nothing else about They're very any cartoony. Yeah. There's nothing about them no, that you know. No, the only thing they are is they're these uh, escapologists. And the only it. thing you learn about anybody is Morgan Freeman a little bit. A tiny, Mike tiny Ruffalo bit. Mike and a bit of a Eventually. romance that's very unrealistic. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's... There isn't... That's the... That might be it. I just put my... You're right. You don't connect with anybody. So I, Jesse Eisenberg, I, I really thought he was funny. There were some really funny moments between him and Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Um, so secondly, Matt Ruffalo plays Dylan Rhodes. He's the... the FBI guy. Yeah, who's... On chase. He's trying to figure out It's nothing surprising on. to me. He fits in that character and it's fine. Like, yeah. I mean, but it's a good choice, I think, because... He's fun to watch, like, and he definitely has fun with this. He's not always serious about it. He's kind of he's always skeptical about. He goes well, like this, though. Yeah. So it tilts his head and saddens his eyes and hangs his mouth open. I don't dislike him, but there's a very common thread in the way that he does his role. And then uh, Woody Harrelson plays Merritt McKinney, who's like the comedy kind of. He's a, he's the mentalist. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody just said mentalist Woody Allen. I mean Woody <laughs> Woody Harrelson. There's no no skipping a jump there. He's funny in this. It 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 fits the character perfectly for me. Like it, like I buy him completely. Yeah. Like he's a confidence trickster type of chat his way out of anything. But he's not over the top or anything. You know how when you watch him, well, you probably didn't, but 
remember, but in 2012, he's like the crazy man on the hill. I he's just that, over yeah. the top. And then um, a couple other movies where he's, well, even in Hunger Games, he's just yeah. over the top with what he does. This one, I think, is just right. Like I said, I think Woody Harrelson, when he's in a part in a movie, there's no stop sign between his brain and his acting thing. He just gets totally into it. There's no, like, I don't know. He doesn't take it fully seriously, I feel like, the whole acting thing. So a lot of times it almost feels ad-libbed or like he's just said something so funny and everyone around him is kind of like trying to... He certainly um, feels natural absolutely. in a part. Um, Isla Fisher, who's an Australian actress who I'm quite familiar with because she used to be on a soap opera, Australian soap opera called Home and Away that I used to watch all the time. She's but not very old. She's not very old, but she was a kid in that soap opera. Mm. Um, and she, you know, she's not that well known to American audiences. She's been in something for she sure. She has, but she plays Henley Reeves here, who's like the... Originally, this um, script didn't have a female because it was the Four Horsemen. Right. So they didn't have a female. It was added later. And it was... Um, she's the escape artist. Yeah, I think it was a good... Actually, oh, yeah. Because she adds a certain something. And it's not the obvious, oh, she's like the... Sexed up. Sexy. Right, hey? and no. I mean, there's a bit of banter with her, with Woody Harrelson, but it's not for that, is it? So it's, I, I like. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you as I think about it. What's missing is the development, not just revealing their trickery to us, but the development of who they are, each one, like behind the scenes of each person, the mentalist guy. There's In no- fact, the mentalist guy. You feel like you know a little bit more because you see him do a an impromptu con thing to just some people in a restaurant. It's a little bit more revealing than her stage show that we see with the piranha and then his thing that we see on the stage. There's no, like, them sitting down and working out their tricks for us to see that happen. So you feel real... I feel real disconnected. That opening trick with Jesse Eisenberg and the cards. Yeah. It's amazing how that actually works because, you know... It works. It, it's a, a trick that actually works because I did it along with him and it was my card on the Yeah, building. yeah, of course. It's, it's pretty... It's a f- interesting because I was like, oh, he just tricked... He, he did me. Does he know me? But no, it's one of those... Yeah. They can make you... It was. It's, it actually sets up the whole movie, that opening scene. They can make you see what they want you to see. Um, it's getting cleverer all the time. So Dave Franco plays Jack Wilder and he's like the street magician of the one of the four like the young maybe not as good at the craft but really crafty he's in like, life yeah. like you know I mean street wise kind of guy he's like the David Blaine type but younger I mean right, just like that kind of barely magic. up and coming where these other three we, you can tell they've established the, something kind of successful or yeah. Like Woody Harrelson. See, there's some past tiny it. fill-ins where he did have a... He's past it, yeah. kind of. And the two other ones could have had a relationship because she was his right. assistant. But that's nothing. No. That doesn't tell you anything, you know? No, that's what I'm saying. It starts in this hallway and there's some interesting conversation between them all where you start to go, oh, so they were connected. They uh, they kind of know each other a little bit. Then nothing ever. Yeah. Again. Nothing ever again about them. Which I found really weird. I was watching the movie going, okay, we're we not going to delve into anybody. Yeah, and by the time you get three quarters of the way through and they're going like, ta-da, doing yeah. their trick and their big, the, the big things that are happening. I'm watching them going, I don't, I don't feel like I, I took any journey with you to get here. 
No, there's like not you've been enough. removed from the process of. And we might be picking it about too much, but there definitely is no character development at all. And I found it weird for a movie that needs you to know what's going on here. So a little less car chase, a little less fighting, a little more character development would have kind of filled that. So that would be the prestige. <laughs> no car chase. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Uh, there's a little bit of fighting. In the prestige. And more David Bowie. <laughs> Every movie could use more David Bowie. Holy yeah. crap. So, um, that was really good. We should watch that again. So Dave Franco, incidentally, is um, James Franco. Am I mixing Fran- up Batman and the prestige? Was he in prison at some point in the prestige? Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. Okay, because I'm thinking, or was it Batman when he's in prison beating up all those guys? Because it's Christian Bale. Yeah. I think I'm merging and the Michael two together. Kane. And Michael Keane's and in the And Christopher Nolan. Oh shit! No wonder I've got they're merged as one. And movie Morgan one. Freeman in Batman yeah. with Michael Caine, both of them. Yeah, but was he in the Prestige? No, that's what I'm talking. Michael Caine was not Morgan. Yeah, Caine. that's what I'm talking. Yeah. I'm merging the Prestige and Batman Begins together. So, so Dave Franco is incidentally James Franco's younger brother. I wasn't um, going to mention that because I think he would probably want everyone not to know that. But it's hard not to know. I wouldn't have known Even that by if looking, said Just it. looking at him. No, I disagree completely. I you see just, his features. I can see them. No, you don't. You only say that because you know. Hmm. Honestly. Melanie Laurent plays Alma Dre, and we last saw her in Inglorious Bastards. She was the lady in the red dress, who oh. is quite pivotal to that movie. Really good, too. Um, and she's a French actress. We don't really know her here in the States. She's in a lot of French movies. This makes me want to see more of her. She's, yeah. my, she's my favorite thing in the movie. She's really good. Um, but a character in this movie. Again. Left to be very shallow, but she fills in more than anybody else. And the romance thing is completely... It it felt wrong to me in in every way. Like, it felt like... It felt like an American FBI guy getting enamored with the French Interpol lady. That's it. and And, let me just say, stereotype French lady, even down to the clothes. Like, it's it's like... It's like they wanted it to be overly French. Like it's it was very. I don't, I don't know. know. Why are French? Why are clothes French? She at one point she had like the horizontal stripe sweater uh, that you see if you look at any pictures of like French models or drawings of French French girls. They wear this very stock outfit that she is wearing in this movie quite a bit. I'm not European, and you are, so maybe that's where I don't have any idea of what Yeah, French. it's just very... It's like, almost like somebody said, you need to dress as a French but person. But Americans aren't going to think Americans that. need to know you're a French person, or, or whatever audience is watching this, European audience, because it's a European film, actually. It was made, made by Luc Besson's company, which is... I mean, but I yes, have no idea what a French person dresses I like. just feel whoever did that made sure we knew she was French, even down to every single detail. But... She's good. Very good. But it's so shallow. Like, it's... It, like everybody else, there's nothing to her. But there's more to her performing her little bits and pieces that make... That compel me than anybody else, I think. You know, like the transporter. Mm-hmm. Do you know the French inspector guy? Yeah. He's like a cartoon character, isn't he? Like, I'm not, so, not talking she is, but he's kind of thrown in there as... Well, he's the French detective guy who we all deal with. He's, he's fishing in a boat at one point. He's eating a baguette in the restaurant. It's like, you know, it's it, it's very 
cartoonish. I'm not sure about that. You don't remember it in the transporter? I do, but, it transporter. Does, but that also doesn't... I'm not familiar with French people. Right, what it's is, very... Un- to me, I don't have, think I even have a stereotypical I think French, French people would watch it and go, like, what? are you taking the piss? This is like... It's like a cartoons version of French So people. what would an American be? Yeah, exactly. I'm asking you. I've seen European films where Americans are very stereotypically played. They're wearing Hawaiian shirts, they've got a camera around the neck. This is we are how we see them. <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, they've got a baseball cap on and they're very loud and shouting at everybody. Chewing gum. Yep. And it's just... Obviously, Americans are not like that. In every movie, you're saying. Or in lots of movies. No, in lots of movies. European movies. A Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, because they're like touristy Americans like who are in... in Why would a tourist in Europe wear a Hawaiian shirt? I have no idea, but that's how it's portrayed. (laughs) It's not like you're going anywhere tropical. Either a Hawaiian shirt or like a baseball jersey. Yeah, that I can see. But say. still, they're very, like, it's a very cardboard cut-out, stupid caricaturization of a, uh, is that the right word? Of a American. But, yeah, I like her in this, but I would like to see her in a drama or something Absolutely. where she can throw uh, muscles about. Um, in my, a Luke Besson movie, would be good. Michael Caine plays Arthur Tressler. It's I really like Michael Caine. I don't care what you say. I just like him. I don't dislike him. I think he's overrated. No, I, I mean, I don't care what you... I mean, I don't care what people say. Like People love him. They do. I like him a lot since the since the Italian job, the original. Where that's I fell like in, 35 years ago. Yeah, but I, I fell in love with that movie. I watched it so much. Like yeah, but see, that's, what, that's where my thing about overrating people comes from. I'm not discounting what he does. And there are moments when he obviously does... I mean, I think... Was it Mousetrap? Can't remember the name of it now, but with Christopher Reeve. That's one of my favorite Michael K movies ever. Really good from a play, I guess, or whatever. So he's got ones where I'm like, yeah, he's awesome. But the rest of the time, people are like, oh, I fell in love with the Italian job in 1967, and now I still love him because he was so awesome. With Morgan Freeman. I love Morgan Freeman. He's so good in Shawshank Redemption. We and see, then, he, then he crossed his arms and betrayed God. And then he had a deep voice for a penguin thing. And then we love Morgan Freeman because he's so awesome. And then every documentary you watch, Morgan Freeman's voice is over the top of it. It's that, like, that's inaccurate, but I know what you're saying. He's like the voice of nature documentaries, even for the BBC now. I watch a lot of documentaries. He's not the only voice. No, but I, I was just generalizing. But what I'm saying is, like, he, he's... You, yes. He's, I hear a lot of documentaries with him on. What I'm saying is we put people on a pedestal so Yes. Like, Morgan Freeman's not very good, in my opinion. I liked him in this better than I've liked him in a lot of movies in I mean, we watched years. him in Oblivion the other week. And this was way better. He had a more personality. I think it was the people he was with. Bring it, elevating him. Like, he can't come to that stage with Mark Ruffalo and Woody Harrelson as sort of the quote-unquote elder and not be at least a little more... Something and I feel like he was, so I'm giving him credit for this one. He was good in this, but it, it was very Morgan Freemany, if you know what that means. I feel like it wasn't Morgan Freemany, I think it was outside of that a little bit. Yeah, but um, he had to be befuddled just I, like I was glad else. he was in there. I mean, like, he fit in the character, you know, the authoritative figure, <laughs> the typecasting <laughs> <Yes>. character. <laughs> so, so this is directed by Louis Leterrier, who's a French director who actually. Um, directed some of Luc Besson's films um, Transporter 2 which I actually really like the second Transporter I think it's really good like it, I like Transporter Transporter yeah um, Unleashed which one of my favorite things in a movie ever in all the movies I've ever seen 
is throwing a woman in a fight. And Jason Statham using a woman as a... I'm sure I shouldn't love that, <laughs> but the first time I was ever watching it, I was like, holy shit, he just picked up that woman and threw her at those guys. I love and that. it was awesome. I love that scene in the original Transporter where he just, like, kicks the door. Like, just kind of... <laughs> yes. Just weird, it's a weird move. He comes just at kind it. Of boink. Yeah, he's looking in the hole and then... The boom, whole door just comes. disintegrates, like... So yeah, I, the Transporter movies are, I would call, guilty pleasure. They're totally like, like this, actually. I don't like, feel guilty about liking them. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're really... Guilty pleasure is watching Honey Boo Boo. That you have to feel guilty Right, but they're, about. Not, they're not great, the Transporter movies, is what I'm getting at. But for some reason, it's like really fun to watch it. I think they are elevated to almost greatness in the genre that they're in. You know, it's not Ronin, but it's the action-adventure... Something shit. Almost created a genre. I, th- I think that, like he, like Luke Besson did something where he, he kind of stepped the that thing up a bit. Like it, it just, <laughs> that thing, whatever that is, like the action film, the like, antihero. Yeah, it's like a Steven Seagal film, but it, all of a sudden, like I want to watch it. Like I don't want to watch a Steven Seagal film, but I, I want to watch um, Jason Statham kicking some ass and driving his car. I don't mm, know. It's, maybe it's not really better than a. It's not. That's what I'm saying. But there's something <laughs> different about it like, that makes it. So yeah, Transporter Two, Louis Leterrier did. He also did Unleashed, which is a fantastic film. You should really see that one. He did The Incredible Hulk, and he also which one was that? The one with um, Ruffalo. Yeah. Okay. And he also did Clash of the Titans, which was the remake of Clash of the Titans, which is actually pretty good too. So he's done his fair share of big budget movies and cool movies too. Unleashed is. There you go. Morgan a, Freeman. And Luke Besson, story. Bob Hoskins. Yep. Jet Li. <laughs> so okay, um, that's one of my recommendations now. And you don't like the, the the some of there was he does a lot of the spinning around camera work. Oh my god! I even said how long was it in? Twenty minutes? And I said I put my hands over my eyes. I said stop spinning the camera. Now actually, Michael Bay used to do a lot of that, and I feel I feel like he calmed down with it, especially when we watched Pain and Gain. He didn't really do that so this much. This is just like around and around and around. But it and does around. stop. It doesn't stop you. Just weren't noticing it. See, I I thought he did a lot of it at the beginning, and then it just went away. Like no, even in the chase, the camera's going over here and it's going over here. It doesn't. It makes like a semicircle. I guess I didn't notice it. And then it arcs over. Even he doesn't just go on this plane. He goes up and over. And I was like, stop moving. If you're gonna do it, do something else. But it's that's like surface- Michael Bay used to do it a lot. Like if you watch like The Rock. His older ones. It, it, the camera's crazy. Because that's when it was invented. Yeah. That I think little. So too. That, well, it is. It was invented in the 80s, late 80s, that track that makes a circle that the camera sits on so that you have like a clear view. You can go 360 all the way around. That's when it was actually invented. The rock wasn't late 80s, though, was it? It was late 90s, more, more so. Well, middle 90s. And I'm saying that was invented in right. the late 80s and then turned into like an industry standard through the 90s and then it became like a thing. But yeah, this does have a lot of spinny camera work, which, if you don't like it... Actually, it didn't bother me, because I felt like it went away. It was relentless. Um, on the big stage. But I felt and like... And then on the outside thing from the helicopter, we're flying around in a circle. Oh my god, I just felt like I was in a tornado the whole time. He definitely... Um, it's not shaky cam. Cause it's a little very, bit of shaky cam, but... Yeah, but, but, the, but the, what we're talking about, it's really smooth cam. It's like it's on a track, but it's... Uh, mm-hmm. It moves up and down as well as left and right, and it's and it's always like you say, it never stops. It just moves. Like. <laughs> um, it didn't actually bother me, and it usually does. 
I'd, there was one scene at the beginning when they were in a room talking and it was going around a table. I yeah. thought it was overdone, like, and I was like, okay, you can stop with that now. And then I feel like it did stop. But you don't. Do you think it affected the movie? It affected me watching the movie. Right. But if people watch it to just constantly move around, then that's fine. But I don't. I didn't appreciate it. As a kind of worn out method. I mean, it's kind of cool when you think about I it. I think it really suited but if the magic act at the beginning. One time in a movie, one time, then it can have some power with it. Well, know? the magic, the very glossy magic act sure. that they did at the beginning, it absolutely suited that. I was like, that's how you would see a HBO yep. magic show. It, they would actually stage it that way. Listen to you, an HBO magic show. Like, like, like you skip been... over the possibility of you being in an audience at a magic show nowadays. Well, I'm you thinking, just skip to TV. No, I'm thinking about how it would be televised, like with a moving camera on a dolly moving around, and it would, there's four characters on the stage, and it's... But how about if you're in the audience, nothing moves for you? You just sit it doesn't, there looking I, at I'm just feeling angle. how I would see it televised, like how cameras would actually cover something like that to make it look... Well, actually... Think of something like the X Factor, where the camera comes up and moves, and then it goes really close towards the singer, and the singer looks at it. Yeah. And then it, there is that in a live performance but on TV. But it doesn't TV. spin around them. No, but there's a moving camera. It's not just. Sometimes it's annoying. We watch the Royal Variety performance, and they move the camera so much you sometimes can't even see what's yeah. happening. Like it's it's somebody thinks that you're supposed to do that all the time. Dynamic, dynamic, dynamic. So extras on this Blu-ray, and it does come with a DVD and an ultraviolet digital copy which is becoming the norm nowadays but you get an audio commentary by Louis Leterrier but it's only on the theatrical version so um, he won't talk about the extended parts which there is two versions of the movie extended edition and normal edition and there's ten minutes difference in between them both I don't know what there was a shot of somebody's boobs in the Louisiana scene which I imagine is not in the theatrical version because it's a PG What's wrong with the one pair of boobs? Yeah, I don't think you can show it in a PG-13, right? I think I think um, yes, it goes R-rated once you show a pair of boobs. So there's a pair of boobs. I'm and it's sure literally about, for like... I'm not sure about that, but... I, I feel that that was part of the um, unrated version. And then I don't know, because this movie's not really violent. It's not really... There's, there's not, a bite scene. Yeah, you're right. There's not much swearing. So I don't know why 10 minutes would have had to be removed to make a theatrical cut. I don't know. I don't think it had to, but time-wise, maybe. Yeah. But it doesn't feel overly long with a ten-minute extra. That's not how theatres look at it, is it? No, I I mean, what I mean is... How long would it be without the ten minutes? uh, How long is the theatrical version? 115 minutes. Just less than two hours. One one hour and 55 minutes. Whereas it's 125 minutes. minutes. Right, but that 10 to 15 minutes of and 20 minutes of getting a theater ready to do the next run could make all the difference in whether we be able to show it twice a night. So there are both, and what I just read on IMDb, people who've watched both, they went to see it in the cinema, then watched the extended version. The general consensus there, just having a quick look, was that the theatrical version is the one to watch because the extended version doesn't really add anything and there are some bits that feel like they shouldn't be there. That's we haven't seen it, so we can't... It, if you've seen the other one, you might be like, oh, this scene's really crappy, like it shouldn't be that. But With the exception of us, everyone who talks about movies is full shit. So I wouldn't listen to anyone else's opinion. <laughs> now there's a now... Oh, wait, wait, Ex- include us in that group. <laughs> now there's a Now You See Me featurette 
which is Now You See Me Revealed, which is actually pretty good. It's about mm-hmm. 10 minutes long. It's got interviews with everybody. Everybody. It's like there's no elusive person here, is it? Maybe the director did. Director wouldn't know. Um, there's a brief history of magic featurette, which... Why do producers all look sleazy? Like, really, Ooh. like, super trendy. They always do, don't they? And, like, ew. And they're, like, they, like I don't know. I just think they must suit the job. Like, that fits the job, those type of people. But I always think, ick. <laughs> now, now the- like, thank you for getting movies made and everything. But, ick, I don't want to be around you. The Brief History of Magic featurettes the actual guy who's the consultant magician on this uh, movie. Um, he takes you through the history of magic briefly. Briefly. And he misses out, like, some yeah. major things, but... I like David Copperfield. I enjoyed it, because I learned some things there about, like, the Chinese guy who catches a bullet in his mouth, but he's not really a Chinese guy. I'm sure you can just read this on Wikipedia, the Brief History of Magic. The Houdini's name isn't Houdini, it's actually from a, one of the first French... Yep. people ever to do magic and who and it's presented oh, in like you know what it's presented like you know when you used to watch like TV when you were a kid and mm-hmm. it was like the magic special and it was like some guy stood there and he's like talking down to you almost a little bit it's oh like, I didn't think so well it's like it, what do you know about magic a little bit because I've kind of looked into he it he doesn't know that so he has to explain things to you he does but um, it fe- feels very ABC special like a guy looking at the teleprompter it's quite clear he's reading. It's quite produced, is what I'm getting at. It's not like rough. I liked it. I would rather have seen like a rough kind of YouTube version of that, like just some guy telling you, you know. What? Well, that guy's the YouTube magician, right? So I don't know who he is. He I got really know. famous on YouTube for doing street magic, and then he became a professional street magician. So I would have liked to see him like just in his on his webcam telling me, like you know. I, I feel like it was overly produced for no reason, like. Not for no reason. It actually was nice, and it pulled everything together. And if you were inspired to go look up more magic stuff, then you would. And I have to say, some of the like stock art that they used to show <laughs> yeah, you was, was bad. really bad. Like you couldn't even see it like properly. It was um, just that one picture. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then there's a dele- deleted scenes. There's quite a bunch of deleted scenes, and there's also an alternate ending. But the ending in the movie is better than mm-hmm. the alternate ending. Um, stay no. I disagree. I like the movie one better. I don't. Because I don't like the... Right. I like the... I also... Um, if you stay after the credits, or in midway through the credits, there's a scene that... You know, one of those end scenes that is worth Just having a, a look at. Just a little fun thing. Yeah. Um, and that's it for Blu-ray extras. Um, so, this movie, I think it's really fun. I, th- I think if you like magic in any way, or... Not necessarily, but... Like Burt Wonderstone, I think it was like a tribute to magic, but in a comedy way. See, I think that's one is... thing missing from this movie as well. There's no one who loves magic in this movie. There's no one who's passionate about it. There's the obsessive illusionist who's a perfectionist. That's Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Whatever his name is. Not Mark Zuckerberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. His character, he's in it for the illusion. He's not, he's not like, passionate about it. The mentalist just wants to con people out of money. The, the woman doing her escapism, she's just doing it as, like, a big production. And the street art guy, he just wants to make something I mean, you've got to be passionate to get to those levels. But though. they don't love it the way... But they don't show us. The way that... Is it Rip Torn from that movie? And then also Steve Carell, he gets broken down a bit to where he you see the love of the magic. That's what was missing a little bit, too. No one cared about the magic. It was flashy, rather than... yeah. 
And no one was like, you never saw a scene of someone who was just like really loving what they're doing. It's all very mechanical and, you know, maybe no one really does. No. <laughs> but yeah, it's a fun, it's fun. There's, you know, thrills it's and very, spells. It's a good fun night at the movies, yeah. I'd say. So thank you to Summit for the Blu-ray. Um, if you want to go and win some Blu-rays, there's a few contests going on on com right now. Just go there. I think there's about four, so I won't name them all off, but go and win some Blu-rays. Next week's Blu-ray review is The Iceman, um, and that will be next week. We'll be looking at that. So, Sitar, what's the game movie you're all about? What's it all about? It's not very complicated. We each say a movie, and the other one has to guess what year it was released. Right. And we can't look it up. You're not supposed to guess. So mine is based on this movie. Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> was in a movie called The Social Network. When was that? Oh. I'm going to say 2011. Wrong. 2010. Oh, I was going to say 2010. I knew you'd be a year off. I knew, I knew for <laughs> I haven't been for two weeks and I've been right. I thought you'd have said 2009, though. And uh, mine is going to be a tricky one. Mutiny on the Bounty. I've never even seen it. I don't... Don't even know. I'll give you a hint. It's very old. Yeah. All right. I will go with... 27. <laughs> no, no that's, not, that's not right. Let me think. Because I'm thinking who's don't in it. Don't look. i got to look. I'm thinking who's in it. You're not going to guess. I'm going to go with 53. No. Not in the middle of that. 1935. Never seen it. Don't know what it's about. Don't. I mean, it's pirates or something. I don't know. It's Mutiny on the Bounty. I've never seen it. It's not about pirates. I don't know what it's about. It's about mutiny on the ship called the Bounty. The, right. This captain goes crazy and... A desert island. That's part of it. I know very little. So 1935, we're digging up an oldie but a goodie. The reason my movies fall in this... I, I've just picked a bunch of movies in alphabetical order. So <laughs> I'm to the T's now. Right. Or the M's, sorry. Mutiny on the Bounty. So movie recommendations for this week. This is where we give you some recommendations of movies we like. And mine are usually based on the movie we've seen. Sit Talks can be very random. <laughs> my first one's... Is that, are you being snotty? My first one's The Prestige. I think if you... It's my ultimate magic movie. I really love it. I think it's very awesome. The Prestige. Zombieland is my second one. Was Woody Harrelson. Also and Je- very awesome. Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg in the same movie again. Um, similar characters. <laughs> well, they're not. Jesse Eisenberg's is pretty similar every time. It's the smart ass. Well, he's always smart ass, but it's also different. Uh, and my third one is Magicians, which um, we don't normally do three, but I wanted to throw this one in. And this is uh, the two guys out of Peep Show. Oh. Made a movie where they were both magicians. I watched it on Netflix. And um, if you like British comedy and you like Peep Show in particular, it's like a very long version of Peep Show where they're both magicians. So if that sounds appealing to you. So they're doing exactly the same thing too, but you like it when they do it. It's really a funny movie. I'm just saying. You, yeah, you actually should watch it. I think you'd find it really funny. We'll see. And mine are... I have no idea why, but Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, because that's what's called to us, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original. I have no idea why. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for us? Yes, it's called Willy Wonka for me. And I have no idea why it pops into my head. At one point in the movie, I just thought of it. I think I was thinking Willy Wonka is sort of the uh, ultimate fantasy illusionist, because 
Well, I feel like he, he is. When I was a child watching that, I feel like he was a big magician. Yeah, like he, he was, was a big magician. It was and yet, magic, his factory. And yet, it's actually real. But is it? You it's creepy as shit when you think about it. When you're older, <laughs> yeah. when you're young, and you watch, you know, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, it's like... Um, Kids getting sucked down the floor yeah, but like crazy Yeah, but I watch it, and I'm mesmerized by a chocolate factory. I want to be in a chocolate factory. I want to lick the wallpaper. I want to do all that. It's like, oh my god, this place... I kind of bypass the kids are being mm, killed, <laughs> murdered, <laughs> in, this, in horrible ways. Are they ways. murdered? It's, it's I don't a, think so. Well, think tortured. So. Let's say tortured. <laughs> by a man. Um, so I kind of bypass Not that. by the man. By the... <laughs> yeah. But I mean, called? he's in charge. What are they called? Munch- no, not munchkins. <laughs> Close to munchkins. They're called... Um, Oompa Loompas. Um, Oompa Loompas. Being tortured by the Oompa Loompas with t- songs that torment you terribly. Maybe that's why I thought of it. Like so, a- when I was young, I bypassed all the horrific parts of it. But when you watch it as an old... You're like, why, why didn't this scare the shit out of me? And he did it all with a smile on his face. But it does have a good message. <laughs> the, you know, not... Like Charlie's... Be like Charlie. The message is, like, don't be all those things that you're so supposed to be. No, don't Being be the fat girl, I don't appreciate someone fucking telling me that because I'm a gluttonous person, I deserve to be turned into a big freaking <laughs> whatever the gluttonous girl was. Boy, the boy, the cho- the boy yeah, who got sucked up the thing. I don't appreciate that. So, no, I don't want to be Maybe like not. Charlie. But Veruca Salt, she, she deserved She it. was annoying. Well, they were all annoying. She was right pain in the ass. But they don't represent me. I was about three of those children. I was about, I was probably all of those children. The TV kid, the fat girl. The obnoxious girl chewing the gum. I want it now. Kind of, yeah. So Actually, I, you probably were all of those. <laughs> <laughs> and I was Charlie. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my. I think we've just had a moment in our marriage here where that's, that might need therapy. That little. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your other one? I forgot. <laughs> what does it say? Willy Wonka. Oh, I copied off of you. The Prestige. Because I couldn't think of another one that, again, I was really mesmerized by it. Yeah, it's very good. Um, and so, then whatever one we were discussing, and I said that was one of them too. So games and Ace Scully stuff. My first thing was Mediacom bullshit in big letters. <laughs> we already covered that. <laughs> Secondly, this week, Diablo 3, Blizzard's game Diablo 3, came out on consoles. So, in celebration of it coming out on consoles, I decided to play it on the PC. Because it came out on the PC, like, over a year ago. And I bought it over a year ago. I played the hell out of it. I had, like, 60-odd hours on my game clock. I decided to go back into the PC version this week. Completely bypassed the console version, because I feel it, personally, to me, and Diablo is an important game in my gaming thing, I played it Diablo 2 on the PC many years ago. And it's a point-and-click-with-the-mouse game. And that's how it is to me. That, that's, it's not a game I use a controller for, even though I'm sure playing with a controller is fine. But controllers didn't even exist to me at that point. <laughs> I was like a mouse and keyboard guy. And the PC version of Diablo, there's nothing wrong with Diablo 3. Um, in fact, it's really awesome. I played through it again this week on the Hell difficulty, which is like the third difficulty up, which is very difficult. And... I had a blast. I played with online random people. We all formed a party and we killed Diablo. And it was really fun. And I'm glad I bought that game. And it it coming out on console made me go back and play it. And I still have the 
I think I want to pick it up now and play kind of thing. Like, oh, all right. So I'd, I'd put it down, basically, and this made me want to pick it back up. So. Nice. So it's fun. So Diablo 3 is available now on both consoles and the PC. Um, it's totally fun. You should buy it. Whatever you buy it on, you're going to have fun with it. Secondly, I've been playing a bit of Rayman Legends this week, which it's almost like we're going back to the old school a little bit at the moment with games because Diablo's kind of an old school game and Rayman is definitely an old school game. Even though it looks beautiful, it's like this 1080p amazing looking hand-drawn game. It's all hand-drawn. Um, it looks like a cartoon has come to life. But the gameplay is like Super Mario Land like from years ago. It's like jump on people's heads, float up, catch things... You know, it's old school platformer. Now, there are some levels in here that are really... I said to you, these levels are really inventive. And the level I showed you was the Black Betty level. It's actually called Castle Rock. But what they do is they set the platforming to music. And in this game, popular music or classic music in this this classic rock. So Black Betty by... I don't know. Can't remember who the. Oh, Black Betty, Bam Lam. So, oh, Black Betty, Bam Lam. So there's a Rayman version of that song, and your jumps are timed to the beat and the guitars in the gate in the song. So it it kind of adds like a guitar hero, like slant to a platforming game. And only thing I'm like a bit miffed about is there's only like five of those levels in the entire game so I, I think they should make a game where it's all those you know? Ram Jam yeah Ram, Ram Jam so I, I think they should make a game where there's all of those just like all those levels so Rayman Legends I definitely recommend it it's really fun um, they announced the Xbox One release date this week, which is like big news to people who are buying an Xbox One. So now, next generation consoles both come out in November. First, the PS3 comes out on the 15th of November, and then secondly, the Xbox One comes out on the 22nd of November. So that's two Fridays in November. Um, Neither date really matters to me. Only one date matters to me in November. But uh, it's interesting because they're both coming out after all the big games have come out. Um, like the Call of Duty will have already I came come out in November too true <laughs> Call, of, Call of Duty will have come out everything will have come out but I think that's cool because all the games have been out and are done with and then the new consoles will come out after that um, I always think what I always think about console launches and I bought the PS4 from Amazon this time so there's no going lining up for it or anything but what I always think about with console launches, and especially two huge ones back to back, Friday and a Friday, how sucky that must be for people in retail. Oh yeah. Because imagine it's a it's, oh, yeah. a it's a big ordeal, isn't it, to get one first off, and you've got people lining up in your store, you've got people lining up outside your store. It's this big. Ugh, it must, and not only is it going to happen once, it happens again the week after, and it's right up close to the Friday after the. Xbox One Black is Friday. Black Friday, so it's a whole November of craziness for these people. And I'm not talking about just EB Games. I'm talking about like Target and Walmart and all the all the shops that sell them. So next Best generation, buy. Best, buy. Best Buy. So next generation starts in November. We know now what's happening, and that's that. And finally, for me this week, it's eight days until GTA Five, and that's it. <laughs> oh my god. And how many days have I been hearing about it every single day? Probably about eight already. 
well, maybe two or three years, and now it's just intensifying. It's, it's insane that it's so close. You know me. It, GTA is my game, so it's more my game than Call of Duty is even. It's just my game. It's also 25 million other people's game, because it, it's <laughs> all 25 million. Um, but yeah, I, I can hardly wait. I just love Rockstar stories. I, I love their worlds. I just want to be in their worlds. They make the best video game world to be in. Like, you can get lost in it, that kind of world. And you just want to explore it. Like, it doesn't feel like... Uh, I don't really want to go and look everywhere because like, when I get a new GTA, I forget the story and just go and drive around and go. Oh wow, look at that! There's a swimming pool. Oh, there's a uh, you know. I'm I'm that. I'm like the kid in the candy store, as they say. I know. So yeah, GTA is out um, a week in a week, and I'll talk about it when it comes out, or I'll just play it for ages and there'll be no podcast. Or <laughs> but anyway, uh, Sid, talk. What's for dinner? And what is the what's for dinner segment? And why does this matter I to anybody? Think that. The what it is is self-explanatory, <laughs> and the why it is is... You've asked me this before. Is this for first-time listeners? Because, uh-huh. I mean, you just talked about video games, so now I'm going to tell everybody what I'm feeding you for supper. That's pretty much it. I don't know why. Why did we start it? I have no idea. Yes, I do, because we said it last week. You, when we... You you made you were on a kick of making a lot of homemade dishes. Oh, right. And you wanted to tell the listeners about these homemade dishes. But was it the vegetarian time? Yeah. I think we've always done All right. Or vegetarian, in case you haven't known, didn't know that. But tonight, big vegetarian supper. Because it's a big, huge salad with all kinds of stuff. Carrots and raw beets and onion. And then I'm going to make some zucchini and the like skillet, which I think is fantastic. That's it, really. And a sandwich or something else to go with it. And your advice... My advice is hike. Because I've discovered something this week. That in my 45 and over a half years, I'm almost 46. Um, from the time I was a little child. And if you're not a first time listener person, you've probably heard this already. I'm not apologizing, I'm just warning you. I hate. And I don't, I don't think I can express a stronger feeling than hate for exercise. I hate it. I hate it as much as I hate Mediacom sometimes. I hated... Get- when I was little, I just... I would see a flight of stairs. And this was before I was a round girl. This was a skinny little blonde thing. Six, seven years old. I would look at a flight of stairs and think, Oh, shit. Probably not shit. But like, ugh. And I would trump up the stairs like, I hate this. Kids would take off running down the street. And I'd be like, why are you running? Why are we running? Why are we running? <laughs> like, it could be Halloween and something creepy could have happened behind us. They all took off running and I'd just be like, it's not that scary. <laughs> like, if something's going to eat me, I guess I'm going to be walking along and it'll eat me. I've hated it. I hated gym class. I lied my way out of gym class so many times. I should have gotten an award, a presidential award for skipping gym class. I have actually heard this story. And that's everything. Every kind of exercise treadmill i mean i like swimming but i don't like swimming like swim 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 i like being in the pool i don't think that's constant swimming um well you do ex you can do some like exercise and stuff but i mean you know just arm over arm swimming leg- lengths of the pool i'm not into that but there's something about hiking hiking in the woods that 
what did I say the first time? And I was totally exhausted and I was sweaty and I was heavily breathing and my legs were killing me and my feet were hurting and we sat down at one little plot and there would have to be a bench in the middle of our it's not, not trail. Not really many places to sit. No. And I said, oh, I'm not really very miserable. I'm not miserable. My brain wasn't telling me that I needed to stop. And then we continued. And I was pretty tired. Then we did another one. And I didn't hate it. And then we did a long one. I didn't hate that either. And I got sweaty and tired and really lots of pain. I have huge... My feet today even are still swollen up. My thighs hurt really bad. That's because you're not used to it. Not just that. Because I, I was unaffected by I it. have pain a lot anyway. Because I've, I've been well, around still, for muscles. many years. It's not just that though. I mean I have like the bursitis in the side. And then I've twisted my ankle really bad before. I've got one bad knee which swells up whenever I push it too hard. These, are, these aren't like reasons to not exercise. It's just that always kind of makes me think, oh, why would I want to do this and have pain when I can just sit down and not have any pain? So, after doing the last hike that we did, just leave it. It's fine. <laughs> He's obsessing over a it little It was creeping so hard, mouse pads. No, it's not. I made sure it's not moving. No, I mean, look, it was. It's not, actually. I checked it. I was looking at and, But the hiking in the last... The last one particularly, because we keep taking the wrong turns. It's fine. We keep taking wrong turns, so we end up taking shorter hikes than what the map says to take. Like, it says 2.6 miles, but when we're done, it's like 1.8. And we've taken the wrong turn somewhere in the woods, because they're hiking trails. And I'm like, this time I was like, well, I'm not done yet. And my feet were killing me. My back was like, ugh, because I find that I kind of hump myself over. Like, I, I don't stand up straight when I'm walking and stuff, so I'm learning to kind of adjust for that. And I was like, I'm not done. Let's do some more. That is not like me. So there's something about that hiking thing. That now I look, I'm look, i looking forward to the next time we do it. And it's a pretty um, woody um, hiking trail. And it's pretty rough. There's things you have to climb over. There's, yeah. You know. I mean, it's not like you're going up a mountain or anything. But no. I mean, there's lots of uphill portions where if I'm walking up a hill at a park, we go to parks and walk. And it's like paved spots even in the nature trail it's all paved and if i'm going up a hill that's paved i feel like i did when i was a kid i look at that hill and i'm like oh i don't want to do it somebody just give me a golf cart because i don't want to fucking walk up that hill but on the trail i see a big gnarly hill like at a 45 degree angle and then I kind of scope out the... As I'm walking, I kind of scope it out. And I'm like, oh, I can... And there's rocks and shit. And I, like, put my foot here. And there's a tree over here to grab. There's something about it that I don't despise. That is a discovery. That's like becoming vegetarian and realizing I didn't care about meat. Something's happening to me. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to our next hike. So I say... If you think you hate all kinds of exercise, or you just aren't an outdoorsy person, I'm not even a nature person at all. But something about these hikes have made me rethink. Now, we are drinking the right... We're taking water with us. I'm eating some protein before, and we take our peanuts and our high-protein cookies. You know, to kind of... It's not just like... I mean, it's not like we do 10 miles. No, no, no. The most we've done was 2.6 miles. Yeah, but it's it's not 2 point... It's not flat. It's like very all over the place. And it's been 89 and 90 degrees. Three or one time? You're in the woods, so you're not like super hot. But then, you know, by the time we're both done, we're completely soaked with sweat. And I'm out of breath. And I don't know. 
I don't know if something's happened and I, but then I think, well, maybe now I like going on the treadmill, but no, I just can't bring myself to do it. So maybe give hiking a try. All right, so I want to remind you about our websites, aschoolie.com, sids.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Zoom Marketplace, RSS feed. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, or Stitcher. We're on Stitcher now. You can use the app or just go to stitcher.com. You can also email... Aschoolie, what's an app? You can also email me, aschoolie, aschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk. She does not want your emails. (laughs) Unless it's about hiking. If you have advice about hiking, send it on. And uh, I, I normally would say stay classy something, but instead I'm going to say fuck Mediacom. Oh my god. Are you just reading what you're, are you saying what you're reading? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say think for yourselves. If you don't do it, Mediacom will do it for you. 